As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The bye week for the Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings uh, next week. And Coach, of course, uh, this... uh, People talk about the bye week couldn't come at a better time, and it really couldn't come at a better time, considering the fact that a Steelers player tested positive for COVID-19, and you had to go into intensive COVID uh, protocol this past week. Uh, what were you hoping to accomplish this week, and were you able to do it virtually? Uh, we're, we're definitely going to try to stay on course. I mean, we had to, we had to cancel some things, obviously, uh, now that we're in intensive protocol uh, procedures. So. Um, we, you know, really, there was three focal points for the bye week for us as a football team. One was to get through the extensive self-scout where you have time to really break it down to each individual and, and you know, and, and create the, you know, the data and, and the resources to, to apply to the, the games moving forward. And, you know, and, and by, and a bye week in week nine is a, is a bit of, after nine games is a bit of a challenge. So we have a lot of information is my point there. And and then the second focal point was we're, we're going to do a, we do a, um, a, a process called Across the hall, where the defensive coaches coach the offensive players, and and vice versa. It's it's a 90-minute segment uh, that that requires a lot of time and energy that goes into that. So you know, hopefully we we won't have to do that virtually next week. So we're working through that, and 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 lastly, we want to get a head start on Minnesota. So that's that's really what our focus is is on during the bye week. Only thing I say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Well, it's the bye week for your Dallas Cowboys, and they currently sit at third place in the NFC East with a record of 2-7, and seven, just like everybody predicted headed into this season. But hey, gives us a chance to go to our rooms and think about what we've done. So we'll do that and ask some big picture questions as well. we got a lot to talk about on this special bye week, special edition of About Them Cowboys. So welcome in. I'm Kent Garrison running things behind the scenes and joined by two of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. But I want to remind you to become a member of The Athletic for only a dollar at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. And if you like our show, maybe you listen to it on iTunes, maybe you listen to it on Spotify. If you do, subscribe, rate and review, tell a friend, share the show, and uh, let's grow this thing. Let me welcome in our panel of Kevin K.T. Turner and The Athletic's father, John Mishota. And guys... As we kick things off here, I can't help but be reminded of the uh, Rolling Stones classic hit. You can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. 
And I think the Cowboys, maybe you need a little eye-opening this year. Maybe Dak Prescott was here. Maybe he'd be uh, masking some of the deficiencies. So, you know, it sucks Dak's gone. But, you know, they are going to have him back next year. And maybe they'll fix some things in the meantime. So let's kick this thing off, KT, with uh, some 10 questions that John has posted on The Athletic. Yeah, no, I thought this was a, it was a great article by John. I also uh, want to throw out there, too, that John uh, did a little piece of Dane Brugler as well. Mm. Just kind of looking at possible draft stuff. And I say that because I know we're going to be talking Cowboys draft and what they should do early in the draft over the next six months. So we're not going to exhaust that today. But if you want to go uh, start jonesing for draft stuff, uh, for me personally, who's already started watching some prospects, I definitely enjoyed that read with Dane. So go check out that as check well. Check out the uh – Prospects the Pros podcast with Dane and uh, Lance Zerline here as well. Go subscribe to that. They're uh, they're doing weekly shows and they'll be doing more as the Senior Bowl kind of comes around here. Uh, they they just announced some some Senior Bowl invites and all that. So believe it or not, draft season's kind of already here. It's weird to think about that. <coughs> oh, sorry, sorry. COVID? Uh, COVID? Are you good? Joking? No, I'm I'm, I'm good. All right. So on John's article uh, that he did with Saad Youssef, got the 10 questions. We kind of picked out a few that were would be good discussion topics, and, and we'll start with number three on that list. Should the Cowboys consider taking a quarterback if they end up with a top two pick? And, uh, you know, it's interesting because Jerry was asked about this on uh, one of his interviews um, on The Fan last week, and, you know, Jerry gave the – Classic Jerry answer of, ah, of course not. We'd never consider that. Dak is our guy. Now I'm paraphrasing there. But it was a, a, a staunch uh, support of Dak Prescott, which is the answer uh, that you should have. I, I'll tell you this. I have not studied tape of Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance, the North Dakota State guy. I have not studied tape of Zach Wilson. Just seen him play here and there. With BYU kid. Trevor Lawrence, I've seen enough of over the years. Trevor Lawrence is the one name that I can tell you right now in the middle of November. Done. If he's there and you're there, you go ahead and do that. And you fix your cap situation. That's the one guy. I just know for sure. I feel so good about that. Now, I'm not convinced Trevor Lawrence is going to come out. He he might be trying to not go to the Jets. Um, and, you know, he could do whatever he wants next year. Or he could come out and force force his way out of not going to the Jets. You know, there's a lot of possibilities there, but that's the one guy. You start talking to me about Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Zach Wilson, I think I'll go ahead and, and take Dak, move move ahead and get Dak signed and and move forward. But that's, that's where I stand on that. But I know this is something we're going to be talking about for the next few months, John. It is, and I wish just for the argument's sake that I could go against you like wholeheartedly and, and disagree with you, but really, what you said, I'm on this. I'm on the same page with. Uh, you know, there's so much. It's so difficult to project. You know, what a quarterback's going to be from high school to college, from college to the pros. I mean, there's just you know the the chances that you're going to even pick a guy in the top five that ends up being a franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years is is no guarantee. Even though that that's where you see teams constantly trying to find that next guy. But I'm willing to bet on Trevor Lawrence if that was the case, because I do think he is that once every 10 years. You know, we see it a little bit with with uh, basketball as well. You know, there, you know, yeah, there's there's LeBron James, there's Kobe Bryant, there's Michael Jordans. But those guys, it's not like there's one of those every year. There's one of those like every 10 years. And I think Trevor Lawrence is that type of a prospect at quarterback. Um, I don't think, you know, every every year there's always going to be a quarterback that goes in the top three. Most of the time it's going to go as the number one pick. I don't think that it's all equal. I'm not just... 
like forget comparing Trevor Lawrence to just the rest of these quarterbacks in this class. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence number one over all the quarterbacks that have been picked number one, going back to pretty much everybody but Andrew Luck. Like I'm taking him over Baker Mayfield. I'm taking him over Jared Goff. You know, I'm taking him over Carson Wentz. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the other top quarterbacks that have went high. Sam Darnold. You know, I, I, there's none of those guys. Kyler Murray. I'm taking him over all those guys. So it isn't just this class. I just that's how highly I feel about him. But they're not going to get. They're not going to even be in position to get him because. I do believe he'll come out, even if it means going to the Jets. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to catch the Jets. I don't think the Jets win more than one game. And so you can just take that out of the equation. And with that out of the equation, then it leaves you with the rest of the guys. And I don't see why you would even take the gamble with any of them over Dak Prescott. Proven commodity. You know what you have there. Yeah, you have to pay him. But that is the price of doing business at that position. Um, I don't think that you, you risk it with any of the other guys. No, I agree with you. And one thing I'd say is I'm willing to change my tone on Justin Fields. Right, I'm I am too. I need to yeah. see more. You know, they could, they could, Ohio State could win the national title. He could be lights out already. His his touchdowns, interceptions, heck, his, his yeah. completions, interceptions are absurd. So I just need to see more of him. Whereas like with Trevor Lawrence, he can sit there and opt out for the rest of the season. I'm good. He can go one. Yeah, as Lance Zerline was saying on their last episode, talking about this exact thing, Fields versus, versus Lawrence. And Zerline was saying that on tape, he doesn't know if Trevor Lawrence has much of an advantage over Justin Fields on tape. But when you talk about the measurables, the size, the arm, all that kind of stuff, that's where Trevor Lawrence really has the advantage. So I'm with you, KT. If Trevor Lawrence is there, it's a no-brainer. But if I'm the Cowboys and Justin Fields is a possibility, I have to look at that pretty hard. But I think it really comes down to trusting your evaluation and saying, is this guy better than Dak Prescott? And if he is, then you got to maybe consider that. And two, and two things on that. One, on, I want to go back to the Jerry thing real quick that KT referred to at the top of the show. And and yes, he was asked the question, would you be, cra- am I crazy to say, I think that was asked, are, are you, would you be crazy to consider taking one of those quarterbacks? And he was like, yes, yes. You said, or would you be great? Yes, Dak's our guy, whatever. That doesn't mean they're not going to do their due diligence and look at these yeah, quarterbacks right, right. and investigate them. So don't think that he's just dismissing it and it's like, oh yeah, Jerry already said they're not going to be interested, so it doesn't even matter. No, 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 no. That's not necessarily how it is. And then, so my other point though was on the Justin Fields thing. Between now and April, when the draft starts, there were going to be there are going to be so many people that are going to come out and say that Justin Fields is a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence. That's the business we're in. There's yeah. going to be people yes. that say that. It happens every year. It's the oh, I mean, I lived through that in Detroit with the. Are they going to take Matt Stafford? Are they going to take Mark Sanchez? And you're just like, are we really doing this? Like Matt Stafford was that same guy where it was like he's been good at every step of it. It's like. No, they're not taking Mark Sanchez over Matt Sanchez. Every year, there's always that debate. Are they going to go with this guy, this guy? There was that same thing with Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin. Ah, I don't know. Robert Griffin won the Heisman Trophy. He's closing the gap. No, he's not. If you have the number one overall pick, you're taking him. The next two guys that I'm going to use as an example, now they both ended up being busts, but James Winston, Marcus Mariota. There's no way that anyone was taking Marcus Mariota for James Winston. I'm sorry. It just was not going to happen. It was not happening. It just it wasn't. And it was a debate all the way down to the very end. No way Tampa Bay was, was really even considering that. No way is Justin Fields getting taken over Trevor Lawrence. But between now and April, there will be plenty of discussion about how, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I talked to somebody in this organization. They said Fields might be actually better than Trevor Lawrence. Okay, cool. Call me up when the draft goes and the first pick is announced. And if Trevor Lawrence is in this draft, he will be the first pick. I don't care what team is picking. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Baker Mayfield year, that was the only year it was kind of a mystery, was the Baker Mayfield year, which is, you know, uh, 2017 now? Jeez. Um, yeah. But, that, you know, one other I'll say too, what Jerry said is also just smart because out of respect to Dak, out of uh, respect to your future negotiations with Dak, that is the answer you give. 
because reality tells us, um, or at least the, the probability would tell us, that's the route you're going down is negotiating a deal with Dak Prescott and he is your quarterback moving forward. Those are what the Vegas odds would be. But we do have to keep that in mind, and I can't wait to watch more of Justin Fields. I, I've gotten a little vibe of seeing Trevor Lawrence kind of play with his food a little bit the last couple of years. Uh, ever since his awesome freshman year, where he's making <laughs> NFL throws his freshman year. Mm. You saw him play with his food a little bit last year. As Dak said, kind of sniffing himself a little bit, maybe. Just kind of chunking it up into triple coverage every now and then, because he can. It's Clemson. got to be fine. Uh, but that'll be fun, and we will continue to talk about this, you know, uh, going forward. Because it is going to be a thing, but I think part of what matters there is where are you picking? And a next question I'd like to take off that article, John, is project the rest of the season. What will the Cowboys' final record be? Two and seven now. Here are your final seven games. At Minnesota, Washington, at Baltimore, at Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philadelphia, at New York Football Giants. Who wants to go first? <laughs> John. I'll, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I, I'll just put it to you this way. I think that the basement is that they don't win another game. Completely possible. The ceiling, five wins. I don't think they can even go above five wins. So I think I'll put them somewhere around four. I think maybe they beat the football team and maybe they beat, which is just so ridiculous that we continue to say this. Like, I'm <laughs> they're so, going to beat the football team on Thanksgiving? They're going to beat the football team. I, I think they can beat the football team and the New York football giants. So uh, those are their most likely. The next one in that in that grouping, I would have to put the 49ers because this isn't the 49ers team that went to the Super Bowl last year. This is a banged up 49ers team, uh, and obviously, you know they're they're playing at AT&T Stadium. Not that that's a huge deal, but I would say that's a possibility there. I'm sure you could possibly talk me into something with Cincinnati too. Um, but again, uh, as 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 much as we've seen them take steps forward these last couple of weeks on defense, where they're trying hard and playing as a team. I still don't know that that leads to too many more wins. So yeah. if I if I was picking right now, I'd say that they finish four and twelve. Kit, yeah, I'm kind of with you, John. I'm kind of with you. Um, you know, the only ones I think they have a chance are the division games, and the Cowboys are trending down. Meanwhile, the other other teams are trending up. Who knows what Alex Smith could do with with, with Washington? I give them kind of a spark. Um, you know, I think the Giants might be turning up. They got some injuries th- this past week. They got some bad news on uh, on the offensive side of things. So that one's always going to be tough. You know, final g- division game of the year. Both teams want to finish on a high note and move into the offseason. Oh, man. Vikings are going to be really tough. I don't see them that one. Of course, not the Ravens. Bengals, again, trending upward. Even with that offensive line, Joe Burrow is making things happen. I'm with you, John. I'm 4-12. and 12. I-, I think they either beat uh, the Eagles, Washington, or uh, or the Giants take two out of the three of those. If you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have said they're not going to win a single game. But <laughs> yeah. now that we've seen two uh, instances of, of team performances on defense, and I say that for back of, lack of a better word, team on the same page, effort there all up and down the board, find the ball a little more than maybe you were, when you were getting dunked on, you know, those types of things I do think are going to lead to something. And guys, you're going to think I'm crazy, but it's the most cowboy thing ever in a year to when you need to lose to somehow compete hard enough and win some games. I think the Cowboys win three games. I think they sneak past um, Washington. I think they sneak past the Giants at the end. And I think they beat Philadelphia in week 16 
And this is this brings something else to the table here. The old contingency plan that the NFL has that might allow another playoff team. So they may be looking at letting half the league in. Now their record probably wouldn't be good enough at five and eleven to get in. But we had uh, Travis Frederick on our show on Wednesday on ninety seven one the Eagles, the Ben and Skin Show, or two to five. And we have Travis every Wednesday at three oh five. And we usually goof off, but we did I, I asked Travis a question and I said, in your career, you haven't really had many years where it's like hands up in the air, this thing's a lost cause. But I and I called out twenty fifteen though, where they went four and twelve. And he goes, KT, really, when you look at it, though, we were talking about trying to win that division at five, having five or six wins. He goes, we never gave up. He goes, and I don't think it was like a, you know, a thing where I don't know how much coaching had to do with it or whatever. But basically, he was saying we were just going to work each week. I goes, I never had to change my attitude towards the rest of the team because it was very clear if we looked at the standings, we were still only one game behind the leader of the division. And I'll be damned if this team right now is not only one game back in the division. So I, if the effort's going to happen, and I I'm, I got to go back. I got to go back. I said this. I said it takes two months. I said it takes eight games to get a, on a new defensive oh. scheme to get everyone playing hard. Do I think they have enough talent to be a good defense? No. But are they maybe not the worst defense in NFL history? Maybe we're starting to see that. You know, maybe we jumped the gun a little bit on this first. And maybe we've got some buy-in happening up and down the board. So you have all these things coming together. I think they're going to accidentally fart into three wins, and it's not—it's not. You still, you still feel that it. way. Good way to describe you still, it. Farting. You still feel that way after the Trayvon Diggs injury. Yeah, good point. You brought that up. Let's move on to the secondary. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, just, I, I think they're going to play. I think they're going to sneak out three wins. I know it sounds insane, dude. That doesn't sound insane. The NFL is a huge league of parity. It doesn't sound insane. It doesn't sound insane for them to win seven games. They're not going to, but there's the NFL is not like these other sports leagues that everyone like com- tries to compare. Like, like I'll, I'll give you one right now that annoys me, and we talk about it all the time. Like, tanking. Like, NFL teams don't tank. The way that you do that is, like, you put worse players out on the field, but it's not like the guys yeah. out on the field are like, hey, hey, Run this play. That's our tank play. We're not trying hard today, remember? We're trying to get a draft pick. They're not doing that. Like, they're not going to go out there and not try. You tell me that they sit down to Ezekiel Elliott, and they're like, okay, it's your show for the rest of the year, Tony Pollard. He's like, all right, guys, team tank, here we go. You don't think Tony Pollard's going to be trying to roll off like 100-yard games? He hasn't had a chance to be the guy, and they're going to give him 20, 25 carries? You don't think he's going to try and go for a a buck 20 if he can? He's not going to sit there and go, no, 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 no. Let's not run that play. I might get 10 or 15 yards on that one. Let's run the one up the middle where I'm only going to get a yard. We're tanking, guys. We're trying to get... We're trying to get a good offensive lineman in this draft. Like the players don't care about that, you know. So that that whole idea of tanking too, like where you obviously see that happens in the NBA. I mean, yeah, that, that's because there's just certain teams that are just never going to be able to compete with with the upper echelon teams in, in the league, and they're poorly managed and whatever. And, and, oh, and twenty of these guys play for someone else next year too, right? Right. Like twenty of these I, guys are, are fighting for a job somewhere else next year, and they and know particularly that. in the secondary. You think Xavier Woods is going to be like, "Nah, I'm good here." It's like he needs to make money. Chidobia Wuzier, he needs to make money. He's he's in a contract. Alden Smith contract. I mean, there there's plenty of guys there that they have to continue playing well. The only way that they can actually tank, uh, you know, where you, where you're actually trying to is you just start sitting all of like your good players, and you're just playing. Ben DiNucci, and you're playing. Um, oh no! <laughs> I'm trying to think who could be uh, Adam Redman at center, and oh no! I think you, hey, I think you can keep Terrence Steele at right tackle. Um, 
And then you're just, you know, you're just playing like Rico Dowdle at running back and stuff like that. Like, and I, and I could see that being the case for like the last game of the season or the second from last game, but they're not going to do that coming out of the break. Like they're going to still try and win games. I bet you they're going to put everything in with Andy Dalton as the quarterback trying to win the next three or four games before they even think of the whole, like, well, let's just sit everybody down. This isn't worth it now. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's lighten Zeke's load. It doesn't make any sense for the rest of the season. Heck, if you're going to do that, why didn't you sit him against Pittsburgh? Yeah, and he's, yeah. he has the hamstring issue. So, I, I just I don't think Zeke wants to sit out, and I don't think you're going to see key players wanting to sit out, no matter how bad this gets. Yeah, in terms of the contingency plan, if the Cowboys somehow do fart their way into a playoff spot, the thing about this contingency plan is the one plays the eight. So you're looking at the Cowboys facing either the Saints, Packers, or Seahawks, or Bring maybe it. maybe Bucks. In the first round and then being swiftly eliminated. So what good does it really do to stumble in um, other than, you know, I guess good morale going into the offseason? Well, I will say this. You, you say that about those teams. And, yeah, they seem like it's so insurmountable right now because you're thinking of the current Dallas Cowboys. But for them to even be in that position, that means that they had to go on a run where we were like, damn, OK, this is what we thought we were getting. So if they're playing like that and they're playing with house money and they get in. Like I can't, I, I can't sit here and completely rule out them beating like Tampa Bay. I've seen Tampa Bay lay eggs this year, mm-hmm. so I can't. I'm not just going to sit there and say, "Oh, they're going against like the the mid 2000s Patriots." Don't even go out there. Like I can't sit there and say that. But obviously, for us to get to that level, that means the Cowboys have to win like three, four more games, it, five mm-hmm. games. I don't see that happening though. And for the sake of uh, like, uh, just for the contingent of fans who are hardcore tank, go go tank now. I'll say this, based on what I've seen early on, and it's early, you know, you start talking about having the difference in pick five and the difference in pick 16. I don't know what that is yet, and I'm not, I, I just want to, I'm going to say the high-end talent is not of years past, where you have a lot of sure things. You're going to have some guys who you like, probably they're going to be the quarterbacks, a couple of good defensive players. I'm not sure it's clear who the best cornerback is in this draft. There's not many defensive tackles in the top 100. Um, I don't know if there is a game-changing pass rusher in the top 10. Um, Like that safety that that you want, you know, that the Cowboys will likely ignore anyway. I'm not sure that thing exists in the top 15. So, like, all these things you're tanking for, I need to know what we're tanking for first. And I think right now it's like a lot of fans are like, just tank to tank. I would rather see the Cowboys find a way to compete, you know. As long as it's competitive, I'm happy right now. I would like to get a win, but I've lowered my expectations so far to when you are running out Garrett Gilbert. As long as you're competing, I'm good. Um, but I have a hard time like crying or losing sleep over uh, them accidentally winning a game. If that happens, I'm like, well, what are we talking about losing? What are we talking? Did it cost? If it if, if it cost you Trevor Lawrence down the line, maybe I'm a little bit, bit butthurt about it. But if it cost you the difference in Caleb Farley and and Patrick Sertain Jr. Well, I, I don't know if I'm there yet. So that's just, yeah. uh, I, I think, tap the brakes until we get a little closer. Because most people, I think, are like, oh, tank, tank, tank. But they don't even know what we're tanking for. The, the One of the drafts I was thinking about uh, when I was filling this out is 2010. And I was like, that's the perfect draft for if the Cowboys were in it right now. Because that's the one where Sam Bradford was the first quarterback. But then two and three were Indomitian Sue and Gerald McCoy. And it was like everybody knew that those guys were going to be – possibly could have one of those guys could have went one. But you knew they, those guys were just – those were the defensive linemen that were just so much better than any of the players in the draft. And this draft just doesn't have them. I mean, talking to Dane on the phone and, 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 and all the stuff that I put in the article that KT mentioned earlier in the show, like there just isn't that defensive tackle or that defensive end. You know, like a Chase Young where you're just like, hey – 
you got a chance to get Chase Young or Miles Garrett. Like this is perfect. Like that isn't that guy is not in here. So that guy that separates himself is, I don't know. Probably it's going to be Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon. And it's yeah. like, it's like okay. So then, are you taking another offensive lineman? Like, is this just what the Cowboys do when they when they get high high picks like that? I mean, it's a possibility. I can see where you know Dane made a good case for it in the article why you would consider that. But I don't know that that's the one that we sit here today and we go. That's who we're tanking for. Let's go. Let's lose the rest of these games, and let's go get that offensive tackle that probably won't be ready to play on a dominant level for at least two or three more years because God knows Tyron Smith wasn't dominant right away. Like, like there there's, isn't going to be that guy that you just plug in there and you're like, boom, that's a missing piece. Here we go. We're, I guess, Actually, I take that back. From everything I've heard on Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State, he could be plug-and-play, ready to go to yeah. contribute right away. But for the most part, like even with a Patrick Sertan, like – Sertain, Sertan. I think his dad went by Sertain. He's going by Sertan. Whatever. We know what we're talking about here. Um, even with him, like, you've seen the growing pains with Jeffrey Okuda. You've seen the growing pains with Trayvon Diggs. Like, even one of them guys, like, you can't just automatically think, like, one of these corners you take at three is just, oh, yeah, plug him in. That guy's got five picks. Here we go. Like, yeah. it's going to take some time. C.J. Henderson, who I don't know what I'll count. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. He, he's not exactly crushing it out there. I know he, he's getting snaps for a bad Jacksonville team, but it's like he's having some excellent year. Um, let's move on to number five. What grade would you give Mike McCarthy through his first nine games as head coach? Um, look, this is a tough one <laughs> because of all the injuries that he's had to deal with. Um, for me, I'll, I'll go first this time since it's McCarthy. That's my guy. Um, I give him a C. Oh, that's you are such that's a passing. homer. Man, what I am a, a D minus. Fail. Packers the, fan. Packers fan. The C stands Sorry. for chaos. Um, that's that's the thing that bothered me the most. I would say uh, is the number of times you didn't you had uh, you know a, a ten men on the field or had twelve men on the field. Um, you know, little things like that. There's just seemed to be a lot of kind of chaos, a lot of unorganization. I think we've seen that calm down a little bit. Um, we've seen the team get through some really tough growing pains and that loss to Washington and that loss to um, Arizona. Uh, and again, I was not to say that could rear its ugly head again on, in the second half, but I, I kind of get the vibe that we've made it to bye week that we might have gotten through that, just given by the pure competitive level of play the last two weeks from this football team. I'm giving him a C. I'm giving him an extreme break. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's very difficult to sit there and go and, and kill McCarthy for all of this. Again, yeah, very up front. Not the guy I wanted. They should have interviewed more guys. But it's not his fault that they're two and seven. No, but I mean, I'm. I guess maybe I just grade a little bit differently, and and that's that's why this is objective. Everybody is going to grade differently, but like there aren't many people I'm giving passing grades on. Like it doesn't just. But I'm not going to sit there and, and give all these players in the in the front office bad grades and just be like, ah. But the coach was put in a tough situation, so we're going to give him a pass. So I give him a D right now. He would have been an F two weeks ago. He's gotten up to a D with the last two games, like you said. But I'm not going to sit there and give him a higher grade because I think that the last two games are what we're going to see over the final five. I need to see those, or final seven, sorry. I need to see those final seven. So what my grade is now, which is a D, is not necessarily what it could be at the end of the year. I mean, he still has a he still has almost half a season to go. And, and, and that grade could certainly improve. But you already hit on a couple of things that I mentioned in the article. They, you know, there's just been the, the not enough guys, too many guys on the field, undisciplined play, um, 
lack of effort in too many games in, in, in areas that I didn't, I just didn't expect. So things like that, um, where I just am like, how do you not put that on coaching? I mean, uh, you can you can make any argument where you're just like, well, I'm only going to blame John Fossil for the time that the too many get, and then I'm only going to blame Mike Nolan for those times or that. No, it's the head coach gets the blame. That's why he's the head coach, you know? I mean, those guys all deserve their own blame too, but, like, the head coach obviously has to take some of the blame for this. Now, um, I think, yeah, I think a D is fair right now, um, but I don't think that this is – we haven't seen the full body of work yet, you know? Um but I can I, yeah. I understand where you're coming from. They having the off season that they had, the COVID times, uh, the injuries and stuff like that. You know, there are other teams though that are in their first year head coaches that are performing a little bit better, haven't looked quite as bad. But again, it's not a full body of work yet. We'll see when the season's over, and I'm sure we'll have a show like this where we we grade it then. Um, but right now, I can't give them a C. Yeah, not a, not at all. You know, I it's easy to have recency bias here because things have been so terrible for the past four games or so. But I go back to. In weeks two and three of the season, when Dak Prescott was still in there, yeah, and granted, you had a banged-up offensive line, but this guy was putting up historic numbers, and you weren't winning football games. And it's and it's easy to blame you know, the pandemic and stuff, but you know a lot of other NFL teams, talk about Matt Rule, somebody like that, a lot of other teams are dealing with this exact same thing. The way he handled that, they weren't ready to go at the start of the season. Now, Dak was ready to go, maybe that football field in his backyard made a difference. Maybe uh, he had a lot of more independent uh, workouts aside from the Cowboys and that helped. But, you know, you look at that, you look at, uh, you know, the off season that they had when it came to free agency, they struck out on nearly everybody that they signed in free agency. And you got to know Mike McCarthy had a hand in a lot of that stuff. Um, so yeah, there was a lot, a lot of buy-in from this team really until last week when you saw this team really start to start to click uh, when it came to philosophy uh, on defense, especially. And, you know, of course, we had Jane Slater on a few weeks ago to delve into how the players are talking about Mike McCarthy. So, you know, maybe he pulls this thing out. Maybe they go on some kind of streak here. They win the division, and and we all have a different opinion at the end of the year. But right now, he's failed in terms of what he was brought in here to do, which was keep things together, which was uh, why you brought him here. If we thought we were going to be at this point this position. Why isn't Lincoln Riley coaching right now? And, and that's two other I, two other things, real quick. Don Terry Poe and Ben DiNucci are two other things in the coaching thing that I don't. I don't. Don Terry Poe shouldn't have played as long as he did. Yeah. Ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci should have never been the starting quarterback yep. in that game. Totally agree. I, I agree. Uh, and I'll be quick here. Uh, the Panthers were a team too. If you look at, the, they're our team who's keeping things together. Now, the Panthers are gonna make the playoffs, probably not. But that Carolina team, you kind of look at how they're put together and what they're doing. Obviously, their quarterback's still healthy and things like that. But that's Matt Rule. And I know Matt Rule was probably going, man, I sure thought I was going to get a phone call for this job. But can you imagine if you're Mike McCarthy? Well, one thing I want to say what Kent just said, you brought him here, you know, to, to settle things down when the house is on fire. That shouldn't – he's not the guy for that. <laughs> like, just because Jerry and Steven think he's that guy, he's not that guy. <laughs> Well, good but, to hear uh, that what, from you. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> no, the other thing I'll say <laughs> you've, is this: you've, you've lived it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine being Mike McCarthy and questions are coming up about your job, and you're like, "Didn't the guy that I beat twice in the playoffs get to keep his job for ten years here? I'm going to coach here forever." He's like, "I beat Garrett like multiple times, and he got to stay here forever. Like I'm good, Garrett, right?" Garrett wouldn't have stayed there forever if his year one would have looked like this. 
His hit, yeah. his, his, the, the how long, right. if 2015 happened in 2010, I mean, one of the reasons that they were sold on Garrett is because they started out with just that disgusting season in 2010, and all of a sudden he takes over, and then they go on, they win five of their last eight, I think it was, and then all of a sudden then it rolls into where like it was eight and eights, eight and eights, eight and eights. If you're going to point, point at, at, at the last guy, are you even going to be able to get this ship back to eight and eight? Because it certainly doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. Remember, that was the reason you got rid of that guy is because you were tired of the eight and eights, eight and eight, eight and eight. Eight yeah. and eight looks pretty damn good right now. It <laughs> looks like an NFC East 2020 uh, champion if, if you're eight and eight. Uh, well, the last one right here, and then we'll move on to Kent's futuristic segment. Uh, is left tackle a pressing need in the upcoming offseason? I think 100%. I think I, 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 I'm really, I really think Tyron might retire. I, you know, I hate to say that, but I, I just really get that hunch, man. I really think he, his personality doesn't lend himself to putting himself at risk. You know, he's such a low maintenance individual and he's done, he's proved himself. He's been almost the best player at his position for as long as he's been in the league, you know, um, pro bowl after pro bowl after pro bowl after all pro, you know, what, what more does he have to prove as a, as a football player? And, and if this thing really is in the dumps at the end of the season, you're looking at a, at a rebuild, you know, so to speak, not not a Super Bowl contender in 2021, then then certainly he has a, def, a decision to make. And I think the Cowboys, regardless of Tyron Smith, need to look at offensive tackle. You know, you got Lyle Collins, you got a lot of question marks there, regardless of, of what Tyron Smith decides. And even if he comes back, he's injury prone. You need to have a contingency plan there somehow. This is kind of like the quarterback uh, debate on the whole pay Dak or would you draft? Lawrence or Fields if you're at two there's still cards that need to be played to figure this out so for one one of the cards is obviously the one that Kent just mentioned and that's Tyron's health if Tyron is thinking about retiring then without question Penny Sewell has to be he goes right to the top of the guy that they have to go after in this draft there's no question about it I'm going off of last week on our conference call with Stephen Jones him saying that where where Tyron is with his neck and where Lyle is with his hip, that they are on track, that they are going to be able to t- participate in the offseason and they're going to be ready to go for the start of next season. Here we go. You know, you go back to your starting tackles. Now, that's easier said than done. Tyron hasn't played a full 16-game season in over four years now. And so you have to factor that in. Backs and necks, which he's been dealing with, generally don't get better as you get older. So you have to look at Tyron Smith as a guy that, I don't think you can go into a season saying I'm going to get 16 starts out of him anymore. I think you got to look more to maybe around 10 to 12. So where I'm getting at with that is if he continues to want to play and you feel confident he's going to be able to continue to play, at least you're developing, you know, you're getting Brandon Knight some snaps, you're getting, you know, Terrence Steele some snaps, you're going to get some guys that could possibly fill in a game here or there, okay? So where I'm going on this is as if Ty, it's basically like you got to tell me what, what Tyron's going to do. If Tyron says he wants to come back, Penny Sewell's still in play, but I can look in other positions. If he says that he's not coming back or that he's not coming back and he's retiring, Penny Sewell absolutely goes to number one on my board. That's the guy that I want. Um, but if Tyron is going to come back, I'll tell you what. I know it didn't work out with Chaz Green, but that that's one of those type of positions where maybe they look at a guy in the third or fourth round. They're going to have several compensatory picks on a guy that maybe you bring in. He can kind of develop behind uh, Tyron Smith. Because I'll say this. This is going to be lost in, on this season because the offensive line had to do so much shuffling. But I don't think Joe Philbin's done that bad of a job. Like, I think Joe, Joe Philbin's done pretty solid. I know people are going to kill him for playing Terrence Steele as much as he did. But 
also, what else did he have to go with? When you lose Mitch Hyatt before the season starts, you lose Brandon Knight to injury, you lose Tyron, you lose Lyell. Like, I don't know, guys. Go go look up and down every other NFL depth chart. I don't know if the eighth tackle on there is going to be really that good either. So you're going to be kind of limited there. I kind of I'm, I'm interested to see him having a say in this draft, and like maybe they could find a guy, like I said, third, fourth round that they think is a guy that they could develop behind Tyron. And maybe they don't have to just, you know, replace their tackles with another first-round pick and another first-round pick. But if Tyron does the Travis Frederick route, I think offensive tackle absolutely has to be in yeah, play wherever they pick. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think they have to spend their top five pick on an offensive lineman, too. You know I mean, look at, we got to look at the depth of this draft, too. And if they can get a, a really solid offensive tackle in the third round, then I would prefer them to go that route, even though, uh, you know, the first-round offensive linemen have done really well for this team in the past. Yeah, and no, also, too, Pene Sewell can play guard if you need him to play as well. Mm. You know, like, you can actually – and it's not like one of those things like you put him at guard like we've talked about for years. Like, with Lyle, it seems like we're like, well, you're going to mess him up. Well, it's not that. With Penny Sewell, he is – you can play him at guard, he'll be fine, and then you can move him to tackle when it's time. Like well, he's going to be just about, happy to play football after sitting this, out, sitting this year out, sir. Yeah, he's going to be fine. <laughs> but, like, everyone talks about how he can, like – like, mentally, that won't be a problem – Physically, obviously, won't be a problem with him. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about him as we go forward. Um, I mean, look, if you're going to talk about the Cowboys and you want them to for sure nail the pick, you feel good about them, at least just, hey, whatever you pick in the first round, just nail it. There's your safe play right there is Pene Sewell. <laughs> and the well, then Cowboys, on top of it, if you're going that way, you're also that means that you're, you're very all dug in on the whole idea of giving Dak $40 million a year. And why not protect that investment with that that type of a pick? So I, I can be sold to me. I know there's a lot of people that will rip it because of just all the help that's needed on defense and how much this team has yeah. neglected defense in the draft, especially last year taking CeeDee Lamb. But it's like these offensive players, it's hard to argue against them because they are, you know, they they have been good picks. And if Penny Sewell is a guy that they think could be the next Tyron Smith, possible Ring of Honor, Hall of Famer, it's going to be hard for them to pass on that, even with all they need on defense. Uh, all right, so those are the questions. Make sure you go check out. There's a, I left a lot for you. That was just like a teaser for uh, you to go read. Uh, John and Sod put together some ten, uh, you know, crucial Cowboys questions moving forward. Uh, but now, and, and, and uh, real quick, I wanted to add too. Uh, uh-huh. and, and and if you read the article, put in the comments like your thoughts on this stuff. Like I read all the comments. I might not respond to all of them, but I read them all over. Uh, so definitely put in there any of your thoughts on on if you agree or disagree with what me and Sod said or what me and KT said. Yeah, 100%. And again, it's theathletic.com slash about them cowboys if you want to sign up for a dollar and read that article and comment. And definitely need to check out Dane and, and John's article as well for some draft insight. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's hit a little segment here. We do a segment on my movie podcast called Laugh at Us in the Future, where we make bold predictions about things that are going to happen five years from now. And if somebody ever finds that podcast in five years, then they can just laugh at us if we're wrong. It's fun. So let's do something similar here with the Cowboys, uh, maybe in conjunction with what's going on in the world right now in terms of the election. Let's look four years ahead of this Dallas Cowboys team. Let's look at 2024 and what the Dallas Cowboys might look at in 2024. So to kick things off here, my question first is, will Mike McCarthy be the Dallas Cowboys head coach in 2024? Oh, man. Laugh at us in the future. We could be, we could be horribly wrong about this. I, I will say... I will say... I will say no. Because it's, it's the fifth year of a five-year deal. I will say no. Because I don't think there's going to be a lot of patience if the, if the if the deed is not done. I don't think just making the playoffs twice in the next four years would do it for McCarthy. We need sustained playoff success. And that being year five, I think that's when they'd be comfortable eating $8 million or whatever it is. Uh, you know, and not worry about it. In his fifth year? Yeah, absolutely. I think he is not the coach in 2024. Wow. Yeah, this is very this is very difficult because there's so many different things in play. One of the biggest things being the other coaches out there. That's another thing, another one of my huge pet peeves in sports, whether it be college, pro sports, is the fire our coach. Okay, that's fine. We can do that. Who are you getting? You have to tell me the second piece to it. Just like the same thing when you talk about how this player needs to be on a team and this what tell me who the other player is. I need to hear the whole argument. So if the current landscape of where they are in coaches, like let's look at right now, like what would be available in coaches? Like I don't think he's going anywhere. So unless somebody really wants the job, you know, the name that will always be connected with the Cowboys will always be Sean Payton. And obviously Drew Brees isn't going to play forever. So who knows what could potentially happen down the So that factors in. You don't know one of these other coaches is a guy that's like, hey, Jerry, I'll take the job. And then things completely change there. But I'm going to go with that he is still the coach. And one of the reasons why is it goes back to what we talked about earlier. And it is the loyalty that the Cowboys have shown towards their coaches. And I do think Mike McCarthy will do just enough uh, to, to continue to keep his job. And when I say just enough, I mean make playoffs. I don't mean like go eight and eight. I mean that he he has to make the playoffs. And I and I think that he'll be able to do that. You know, and I think I think that they have a nice nucleus that he's not going to have to do a ton of rebuilding here. As bad as times have looked on defense, I do think you're really one solid draft away from really not only getting better on defense, but getting younger and having players. Like five years from now, Trayvon Diggs is still on this team. He might be their best defensive player, you know? Um, So I I would say I I think he is still the coach. Um, But man, if you could tell me who who could potentially be out there, who's interested in the job, that would factor in too, you know? Um, Hmm. Is Jerry Jones still around? 
That's, I know it sounds morbid to say that, get, but get, that's a huge get fa- to, factor in this. Get to that later, maybe. Hu- get to that. But, as a but I'm just thing. saying that's a huge factor in it too. I, yeah. I think that this is his guy. He really wanted Mike McCarthy. You know, if, if Jerry Jones is still around, I think he wants Mike McCarthy to be the coach. It, it's there is some Jason Garrett there where it's like this is the guy that he wanted. You know, he didn't. Re- it's not like they interviewed a lot of guys, so you have to factor that in because that's the person that's making the ultimate decision. Yeah, I, I. I kind of agree with both of your opinions. I, I I can see both of your arguments. I lean a little bit more towards where you are, John, because if you look at you know the next four seasons, okay, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, most likely, right? Um, to me, for for Jerry to fire somebody, it really needs to take two two years of 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 bad football. Um, I think he's willing to give most coaches the benefit of the doubt, giving circumstances of of one season. So unless this team, you know, in the 2022 and 2023 season is just trending downward, then I think Mike McCarthy is going to keep his job. Like like John said, as long as they're consistently um, competitive, making the playoffs, maybe they, uh, you know, get to the second or third round one year. They've got, um, you know, some offensive stars. You've got C.D. Lamb in a fifth year contract year, probably uh, playing at a Pro Bowl level. I, I can see Mike McCarthy totally keeping his job. Although, at this juncture, it sounds crazy to say that. Well, you also got to factor in this is that, so they're going to finish, like I believe, 4-12. and 12. So not only does that get you a high draft pick, and this team has been at its best when it comes to drafting and they have high draft picks. So I, I anticipate them getting some decent players out of this draft that will help them. They're going to get a lot more healthier on, or a lot healthier, sorry, I can't speak English. <laughs> they're going to get a lot healthier and get key players back. So you got to factor that in. And then here's the biggest one. They're going to get a really weak schedule because they had an awful record. And so things are going to line up that if they if they go 7 and 9 or 8 and 8 next year, they're not going to fire him after that. It's going to be like, "Well, we saw improvement." Yeah. Like so it's almost like you're already getting 3 years, yep. you know, yep. and and he got and he's in a 5-year deal. So um I don't know, there's just a couple things you need to factor in. Yeah, I mean, if 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 they don't make the playoffs next year, after this year, I think he's gone after two years. You know, I don't even think he gets that third one, but uh, we shall see. Uh, all right, next question here. More on the defensive side of things. Will Jalen Smith and or Demarcus Lawrence be here in 2024? Uh, I'll those say two no. guys, those two contracts. I'll say no to both of them. And, I, and my, my point is as simple as it's just the longevity of an NFL career. I think it has less to do with their personal performance. Maybe more to do with their personal performance on Jalen's end. Uh, than Demarcus's, but I I do not think uh, either are a Cowboy in twenty twenty four. I I agree with KT. Um, Jalen Smith won't be here then because of performance. Demarcus Demarcus could still be here. It for me on Demarcus, it's it's only tied to health and and it's just such a tough position. And the fact that you know he's already dealt with some injuries. Uh, he heck, he was dealing with a knee injury this year. That he was playing through. He's been getting better, and obviously his plays improved. Um, but as long as he's healthy, Demarcus Lawrence will still be here. Uh, but it's, I mean, that's tough to predict at, at, you know, from a pass rusher at this stage in his career, the wear and tear that's already on him. Uh, I think that if you're like, if you were betting on this in Vegas, I think the safer bet would be that, that neither of them are. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I I think if you look at the contracts, it's really tough to get longevity out of out of defensive players and you look at the trajectory of both of them um, Jalen Smith might not be here next year yeah they're they're both trending trending down but I mean they're they're signed through then so we shall see uh if they're still here 
Uh, let's move on to another contract issue, a big one. Will Jack Prescott be your quarterback in 2024 and beyond? I think yes. I think yes. I think I think this is the direction, and I do think it would take – quite frankly, it would take this team quitting to have a top two pick. And that's what I think it would take to, to move on from Dak. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that even and there's you know you got, there's a scenario that should be considered when it comes to Trevor Lawrence about him blocking the Jets from taking him, you know. So like where if you are a team at two or three, then maybe you're kind of doing a thing like what the Bears did a few years ago to jump up and get Trubisky. Maybe you're trading up a small, you know, trading up maybe more than you should to jump a small about to jump up to number one or or something like that. But I, I absolutely think I think a deal gets done with Dak. I think he is the face of the franchise. For the next until until he can play, I mean, until he's done, I, I really think he's a cowboy for life, and I think his play on the field will keep him in the mix of being a top ten quarterback in that whole discussion. So, um, I will say yes. I will vote yes for Dak. Yeah, it's tough for me because you know I just seeing the way Garrett Gilbert played against the Steelers. I just think that he's going to continue to build momentum, and I think that Gilbert ends up being your guy going. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Um, it'll be Dak Prescott. Uh, that, Gosh, there's no huh? doubt my mind. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, the only way that that would even come into question would be is if he uh, would one suffer a setback with his injury. And uh, in, in, in talking to Stephen Jones earlier this week on, on our conference call, he said that Dak's ahead of schedule. And then more importantly, there was no infections or any any setbacks with the surgery. Obviously, that's a key because you had a bone exposed. So. Um, with his work ethic, though, I, I, I just assume he's going to come back and be pretty damn close to what he was this year. So if, as long as that's the case, and, and, and I'm saying this even on, I could see him playing under the franchise tag this year. And I still, that doesn't change me thinking that he's still here in 2024. So I agree with KT. Yeah, he's still the quarterback. Yeah, I think this is the most pivotal offseason for them. I mean, it sucks that he got hurt. But again, the Cowboys might fart themselves into a top five or three pick here. And then that's that's the real question. If you can get a, a franchise quarterback at that kind of contract, a uh, rookie deal, you have to consider that if you're the Cowboys. So um, if, if Dak is the quarterback uh, going in the next year, I think he's definitely here in 2024. Now here's another one, maybe more big picture around the league. Who's more likely to be a head coach in 2024? Kellen Moore or Jason Garrett? I will say Kellen Moore, and I think for a couple of reasons, I think he will still, no matter if he's a cowboy or moving forward, I still think the the whole idea of uh, an offensive-minded genius, whether you think he is that or not, I still think will continue to, to be a trend in the NFL and won't go away for a while. And I don't, I'm not sure Jason's going to have enough of a – Really, uh, what his resume is going to look like, you know, with with his time with the Giants. I mean, he better hope Daniel Jones develops, or better hopes that they don't win enough games and they can, you know, replace Daniel Jones at quarterback. I mean, he's going to need astounding quarterback play to cover up anything that he does in New York and success to get back uh, into the head coaching pool, in my estimation. Yeah, I have to agree with you too, and and, and I don't think Kellen Moore will be a coach in tw- by twenty twenty four. I don't I don't know that Kellen Moore is ever an NFL head coach. I think he might end up being a college head coach, but I just don't see him as an NFL head coach. Um, and so I guess that says more about that. I just and it's nothing against really Jason Garrett. Like I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't be totally blown away if another team gave him another uh, another opportunity. But you know how it is. The older 
guys get and and when people have seen a track record on you it's harder to get back into it they usually want to go to the young newer guy and that's what kind of lends myself to again that i don't feel great about either of them but i'm i'm playing all these questions you've asked as and me sitting here at vegas and you're telling me yeah, i have yeah. to bet on one <laughs> of yeah, them yeah i don't like my bets but you're telling me i have to bet on one of them so i'll go kellen moore all right well i i can kind of see both both sides of that but to your point john just Kellen Moore's personality doesn't stand out to me as like a like an NFL head coach. Yeah, he might uh, he might be the offensive guru you want, the the genius that you want, but head coaching is a lot about buy in, man. It's a, it's a lot about what these coaches project to the players and how they're able to communicate. And I'm not saying he's a bad communicator or anything like that, but in all my interactions with Kellen Moore, he's a pretty standoffish guy. He's a pretty shy individual, and I know he can get fired up uh, on the football field when he's calling an offense, but head coaching. An NFL team is a, is a whole other animal, and you look at somebody like like Sean McVay, who brought both of those to the table. Yeah, he was a good offensive guy, but where he really excelled was how the team just completely bought into his personality and his energy. Really, you know. So certainly, Jason Garrett has an advantage over that. I think Jason Garrett is a good head coach when it comes to those things. When it comes to having the right attitude and um, having the the mindset of a head coach. Now he might actually suck when it comes to the job but i think like when it comes to uh his leadership style jason garrett is 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 exactly what you want so um it would not surprise me if jason garrett's the head coach of the giants in four years if they if they continue things uh maybe maybe something falls out with joe judge who knows jason garrett um it certainly seems more more likely than if kellen moore's a head coach in my opinion and I don't know if this adds anything to the conversation, but I'll just tell you just from my own experiences, obviously following the Detroit Lions, they're always a team that's in in need of a new head coach. It seems like every few years um, from that perspective, knowing that organization, uh, I would feel way more comfortable with them hiring Jason Garrett as their head coach than Kellen Moore right now. Sure. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think what you said too about Kellen in college though, that is. Boise that is, State. Look out. Doesn't that just make so much sense? <laughs> yeah. I can see yeah, him I don't being know how the, much... uh, the uh, Nick Saban of Boise State and just staying there for until he decides to leave, you know? Yeah, it would be tough for him to go to any, like, see, because I think the big college jobs are just like the pros. Like, I think I agree with everything you said, Ken, about the personality. You have to have some type of personality. I love how people think that Jason Garrett doesn't have a personality. He yeah, does. Yeah, he just yeah. is very careful about showing it. Uh, people would sit there and argue right now that, oh, Bill Belichick doesn't have a personality. Uh, yeah, he does. He just, he chooses when he's going to show it and when he doesn't. The players see a different guy than we see on the outside. Same thing as with Jason Garrett. But yeah, with Kellen Moore, I, I don't know. I, and now you can evolve and, and, and you can add on to that, you know. Um, but I just don't know if it's there five years from now. And hey, frankly, I don't know if he even wants to be a head coach. Like that's a lot more responsibility you have to take on too, right. you know? So, right. He's in a good position right now, uh, calling offenses. And, uh, that's where I'd want to be if I was him, just be this offensive guru in the NFL and not, not the blame doesn't really come on you. You don't have to be the one talking about it after the game, really. All right. Uh, last question here and more big picture. Will the Cowboys have made it to the Super Bowl by 2024? Made it, not one. Uh, I mean, look, dude. I I, I want to say yes, um, but I just I, the odds are not in your favor, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm answering this from just trying to be as reasonable and, and fair as possible. The odds are not in your favor when it comes to that type of thing. So I'm going to say no. 
Yeah, same as the Jason Garrett Calmore thing. If I'm sitting here in Vegas and you're telling me you got to pick, I mean, this is this is probably the easiest bet out of all the ones that they've they've asked us about because, yeah, they're just the odds are definitely not in their favor. Um, I could think of you know four, five, six, maybe even ten teams that I would like their odds more than the Cowboys. So um, I think that they're going to be in positions like that they were in. 14, 16, and 18, like making the playoffs, winning the NFC East, but then you got to go and win, you know, two, three games to get there in the playoffs against other really good teams. Uh, yeah, it, it's, I, yeah. I'd have to go no on that. Tom Brady might be 47 by then and <laughs> winning, winning Still playoff. playing. <laughs> yeah. But, yep. you know, I, I kind of, I kind of lean towards they will have at least made it to the Super Bowl. I mean, if they can patch this thing up on the offensive line, they can get any any kind of continuity there. When you look at the weapons that they have on this offense, Blake Jarwin ends up coming back. They can add in the draft some depth at running back or depth at wide receiver uh, or depth on the offensive line. Really, the biggest question mark is the front end of that defense, the pass rush, and and you know the kind of core of that defense at, at linebacker. That's my only question mark. And you give them two or three off seasons to kind of kind of make that right. I don't know. I think this offense is going to stay together for uh, like it is, you know, with Amari, with CeeDee Lamb, with Dak, with Zeke for the next three, four years at least. I think they're going to be scary. It's yeah, more- I agree with you. That, that'll happen. But I'm just saying like even 14, 16, 18, do you guys think that they were close to w- winning the Super Bowl or getting the Super Bowl? I didn't even think they were close those years. I and thought that's they because were close the in de- 16. I did. See, I never, I, never won, I never thought that because it always came back to the defense for me. I, I never thought that they had a good enough defense that would win those consecutive games to get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. I just didn't think. I, I felt like they were on the right track, but they still ne- needed to add the pieces there. So yeah, if that happens, you know, over the next four years, I agree with you on the offense. The offense will be of that caliber and obviously Mike McCarthy is a coach who's already shown you he can win a Super Bowl but you got to tell me what you do on the defense because yeah. and, and the picks have to be better than what they've been with the Taco Charlton's and Tristan Hills and things like that like you know uh, you got to get more than you got out of Chidobe Awuze as a second round pick Jordan Lewis is a third round pick like they need to start getting like impact players on defense for me to buy in on, on Super Bowl that's the biggest question it's, mark yeah it's way more difficult to project the NFC in five years than it is the AFC where I can tell you, well, the Patriots. Right. I mean, I mean, the the Chiefs are still going to be doing how things. Many, yeah, hey, KT, Mahomes, how many? Yeah, so. KT. How many? Yeah, how many Super Bowls does Patrick Mahomes <laughs> have by twenty twenty four? At least three. I think he's going. I think they're going to win this year, just because there's so much continuity and and there's there's no one really maybe maybe Baltimore that could that could give them a run in the playoffs if they're if they're trending in the right direction. It doesn't look like they are right now, but man, yeah, they they might be. You might be facing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl if you're the Cowboys. <laughs> in the least. next five years, is there a better chance of the Chiefs winning three Super Bowls or one Super Bowl? Is there a better chance of the Chiefs winning three than the Cowboys making a Super Bowl? <laughs> well, I'm going to go just, to my actual, what? yeah, to my my first answer. The odds are always not in your favor. So I would say right. better chance of one. Right. But I think we can all agree believe, that Patrick Mahomes me, goes to three Super Bowls the next five years. Growing up in Detroit, I, I've seen it two different times now with the Packers. Like when I was young and that's when I was like, I mean, the early 90s when I like fell in love with football, you know, and was just watching it all the time. And when Favre came on the scene, I was like, well, they're going to win at least three. Well, no, I, actually, I take it back. I said that I thought they'd win at least two and possibly three Super Bowls of Brett Favre. And then with everything I've watched with Aaron Rodgers from the very beginning, especially after he won that Super Bowl here in, in, in Arlington, 
I thought for sure he would win two and possibly three. And they're both sitting at one apiece. So I don't know. Like, you just can't assume that, you yeah. know, just a lot of things have to go right. Yeah. If, if the biggest question mark is that defense, and we'll have to see, but. You know, the real biggest question for the next four years is is Dakota Prescott. And if they can get Dak, then I think I think the next four years are going to look pretty bright for this football team. But if I'm Dak, to be quite honest with you, I mean, he is coming off an injury, but there's going to be some teams that really make a run at Dak. And, you know, the Cowboys can franchise him, do all they all they can to, to keep him around. But, you know, if I'm him and I'm looking at around the league and I'm trying to win a championship in the next four years... <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you go somewhere like Chicago, where they've got an excellent defense and they're a quarterback away from from really doing something. I don't know. I mean, that's the biggest I'll, question: I'll, Is Dak going to be I'll, here? Okay. Two two things on this. One, he ultimately he wants to be a Dallas Cowboy. Sure. He knows that winning with the Dallas Cowboys just means more. It's a bigger deal if you win with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So that you, you said that in there. I'm telling you, the other part of it, I've I've talked to him about this before. He he's not going to factor in all the, those like the talent on those other teams and stuff like that. He believes that he can elevate a team to that next level. He believes that he can turn around like a, a Cincinnati Bengals, a Detroit Lions, a Cleveland Browns. Like he can, he'll listen to those offers, especially if the, if the Cowboys aren't giving him what he wants. But as long as the Cowboys are in the conversation, he'll be a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah. Dak's in a position to not get railroaded at all though. Like I think he has more yep. leverage than yep. before the injury. Uh, and or if the injury doesn't happen, his leverage, let's say his leverage hasn't changed any, uh, you know, one thing that, that I want to see him fight for is, you know, create a little more creative control. You know, you don't uh, think at all like there's even a little sliver that he might be more willing to like, hey, I'm not going to hold you guys to the coals to the absolute last level. Like not just him, but him and his agent and, and his representatives and maybe give in just a little bit coming off of this season. No way. You don't think it's changed at anything? No, no. Coming no. off, coming no, off the C- injury? CAA. I don't know. No, I, they're going to. It's not CAA anymore. He left CAA. Oh, he did? Well, in that yeah. case, um, but well, still, no, I mean, he's still with the same agent, but his agent left CIA. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I, I, I don't think so. No, I still because yeah, because the franchise I mean, he's going to get every penny he he can get. Um, now, the what's the difference between what the Cowboys are are willing to give you and somebody else in the longevity sake and the guaranteed money and all that comes into play. So, I think it's going to be around the same number, but I mean, it, it all comes down to. You know, if Dak gets 10, 12 million somewhere else, does he do that? Given how he knows what money's like in this league, playing for $400,000 for as long as he did, you know? I don't know. Maybe he does that. Maybe he doesn't. But the Cowboys did nothing over the past year. Maybe maybe this injury helps in the way they've handled that, but nothing over this past year to, to uh, gain his trust in any way when it comes to uh, the contract side of things. All right. Well, that wraps up our look to the next four years. So oh, wow. if you're listening to this in 2024, get out shoot and us vote. a tweet and get out and vote. <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe 2028, we'll see what this what this team looks like. But man, I, I did not, like I said, at the outset of the show, guys, did not think we'd be here at this point when doing this episode at two and seven and, and looking at another year like this. I got to say, um, I, I do think things are going to turn around for this team. I think, I think things are going to trend upward uh, going into the second half. I agree. I'm the guy who predicted they would win three games instead of two. I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. <laughs> Make sure, everyone, that you go check out uh, John and Sod's piece with the 10 questions. Uh, and also the piece John did with Dane Brugler 
uh, it's bye week, you know, so enjoy all your football watching over the weekend. Maybe give prospects to pros a listen as well with Dane Brugler and Lance Zerline as draft season. Well, if, you're, if you're one of those people who really want the Cowboys to lose real hard, I recommend you go read that piece and read those uh, and listen to those podcasts and read that piece John did with uh, with Dane. It was outstanding. Um, for our producer, Kent Garrison, for Father John Machota, I'm Kevin KT Turner. We'll see you next time on another edition of About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>